understand that the world will always be the world. That's something I have come to accept over the past several years, and that sometimes it's going to be better than other times, and we just seem to be in a very testing time right now. So we continue our prayers for our families and loved ones, for our church and uh, whatever church where you are, uh, certainly the West Irwin Church of Christ where we are here in Tyler and also um, our great uh, nation and all of our leaders, local to state to nation. Um, as we look at uh, the book of Philippians, we find an interesting, um, an interesting statement and an interesting use of terms here in chapter 1 and then again in chapter 3. Um, nice to see my friends Larry and Lynn Murphy with us. I know there are several others of you that will be tuning in, either viewing live here on my Facebook page, probably more that we'll be viewing at 6 p.m. Central Time on our West Irwin Church of Christ website. It's westirwin.com. That's uh, Irwin that starts with an E, E-R-W-I-N, westirwin.com, and then you click on our uh, social media and resources page and scroll over that and then click on the live streaming page, and you can go down and see all of the previous uh, uh, broadcasts on our archives, including my sermons and my daily, my weekly lessons uh, on my Facebook page, and also here, and uh, also on our website at westerwin.com, uh, you can see the broadcast on our regular st live streaming page um, at, uh, at 6 p.m., Central Time. Nice to see my Ashley. Hey, Ashley Capa, so great to see you. Another one of our middle daughters. Love you so much. Eric Mosley, you love Cindy and Eric and miss you guys. Um, and uh, uh, certainly will uh, be keeping our wonderful uh, Ashley in our prayers and others uh, as well that are um, in, uh, in, in special needs right now. Um, Philippians chapter 1 is a... Um, is a great, great chapter. We started this study a few weeks back from the book of Philippians, studying every week for about 30-ish minutes or so. And uh, um, and this, this chapter one, as we saw last week, that great passage of scripture where Paul affirmed that whether he lives or dies, he's going to be doing so to please the Lord and to praise the Lord. And I know uh, that for so many of you, that's exactly how you live your life as well, and I praise God for you. Um, he's writing from jail, uh, interestingly enough, as he writes to the Philippians, and yet he tells them, you know, maybe I'll get out, maybe I won't, I kind of think I will, but either way, um, if, I, if I live, then God will be praised uh, through my life, and if I die, then he'll be praised through my death. So it's a very, very humble thing that he says, but a very faithful thing and powerful thing. Um, in Philippians 1, in the verses that follow that great statement, uh, where we'll be today, verses 27 through 30, Paul says, look, this is not just how I feel. This is how we should all feel. It's how we should live our lives, especially in these times of testing, uh, as we're going to see and be reminded of in this lesson, the church at Philippi, Paul is writing to, in modern-day Greece, was, uh, was begun uh, with a time of persecution for Paul and for Silas, his missionary partner. Uh, and the church there was very familiar with it, and yet uh, he calls on them to use that experience uh, to praise and, and honor and glorify God and to uh, serve others uh, faithfully. Uh, that's something that's very important 
uh, to Paul, uh, something that was very important to Jesus, uh, to serve and to live according to his will and his words. And for Paul, the same thing as he, uh, ever since he experienced Jesus on the road to Damascus and then was converted when he was baptized into Christ to wash his sins away by Ananias in the city of Damascus, he had never stopped uh, serving the Lord and preaching his word. In Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30, he calls on us to live that same way. Um, <clears throat> so these words, Philippians 1, verses 27 uh, through 30, this will take us through to the end of chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. What a great statement for our world today. This is a sign to them that, that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Again, a very powerful statement, a very great statement, and I want to divide it up into just two parts um, this afternoon. And the first part is where he begins in verse 27 when he says, Live worthily of the gospel. Whatever happens, Philippians 1 verse 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Uh, all of those thoughts, very important to Paul as he writes this epistle, but also as he writes other things, other letters to churches uh, and to even individuals while he's there, uh, likely in prison in Rome, awaiting his appeal to Caesar. Uh, that we read about in Acts 28. He was there for a couple years, and it seems that he was released at that time. Uh, later, after some more travel, some more preaching, and another arrest, um, unfortunately not able to survive the next time around. Uh, here we read Paul telling them to live in a worthy manner, to live worthily of the gospel. One of the times when he had been questioned and arrested and had to defend himself. Uh, in Acts chapter 23, verse 1, he announces, hey, look, I have lived uh, worthily of a, to a good, with a good conscience, even today. And uh, that's something that was uh, very important to him and very important to us as well. It's interesting the term he uses here, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a certain manner, in a manner that is worthy of Christ. I want us to talk about that in just a moment, but let's talk about this noun that's kind of a verb, uh, because uh, the word is, um, is, a, is definitely used as a verb, and we use it some as well, conduct yourselves. Uh, but we also understand that it can be used as a noun as it talks about our conduct. And I think that's the point that Paul is making here. And it again, it feeds off of what he said earlier in chapter 1 when he said, you know, um, to live is Christ. And he's talking about that right now. He's talking about how we live, about how we behave. Uh, our behavior would be the noun form, and the verb form is to behave in a, in a worthy manner. 
uh, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. And the term is the term polituo, and it does sound like our term for politics. Uh, and it is the term that means to live as a citizen, just as our term does. It goes back to that whole idea of being a worthy citizen, a good citizen, uh, someone who lives their life in a faithful way. I mentioned it this morning in our uh, in our sermon, our final sermon in our church service this morning at West Irwin Church of Christ on uh, the idea of Jesus as King, of God as our King, the one and only Sovereign. In spite of the craziness that we see, we realize that God is our King. And that was taken from that last doxology, that little word of praise at the end of what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, amen. And as we were talking about that, about how God is our king and we are ultimately uh, servants of his first of all, and we seek his kingdom first above all else, Matthew 6 verse 33, um, we reminded ourselves this morning of another verse from the book of Philippians, uh, this one in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, and it's an interesting way of using a similar term to the one here that talks about conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. Philippians 3, verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What's amazing about that is that first part especially. The other part kind of helps us to understand what the first part means. Uh, but the first part says our citizenship is in heaven. It's the idea of uh, citizenship, commonwealth, our native city, and uh, the term is the term polytuma. And so we have polytuo and polytuma, and it's the terms that relate and come from the root word, which is polis, P-O-L-I-S, meaning city. We call it a, met a metropolis. Uh, a metropolitan is a, a related word. The politics, politicizing something, it all relates to how we live as citizens of a certain place. And for Paul, he very clearly states in Philippians 3 that our citizenship is in heaven. And we've talked about that before, how some use that to uh, uh, get away from their responsibilities in this world and in this life. And as we see from the Apostle Paul here, he takes just the opposite direction. In fact, he says, because our, our citizenship is in heaven, we are to conduct ourselves as citizens uh, in a worthy manner. And he's talking about how we, how we live here. Again, to live is Christ. Yes, to die is gain, and we never sell short our heavenly home. And the citizenship that we have there, uh, even though we're temporary resident immigrants of this world for now, we realize that heaven is our ultimate home, that our ultimate citizenship is there but we have a temporary citizenship now in this world. And so because of that, we want to live as ideal citizens, as, as good people, as, uh, in a worthy manner, as Paul says. Conduct yourselves in a worthy manner while you're here as, uh, in this city, <laughs> while you're here in this land, before you get to your ultimate, ultimate home. 
And so we continue on with this verse, and he says, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. And that, that term kind of scares us sometimes because you want to say, hey, Bill, wait a minute. I thought, I thought we're all sinners. I thought there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. And that is exactly right. But there is something that we can do in response to the salvation that we have been given that we do not deserve and cannot earn. And the way we do that is by living, conducting ourselves in a worthy manner. Not sinless, not perfect, but faithful. And in a way that honors and glorifies the one who made uh, our salvation possible. That's really where Paul comes from in Ephesians chapter 4. And it's a very similar passage, of course, likely written roughly about the same time. Uh, as Paul was dictating these letters to someone, an amanuensis, a secretary, so to speak, and they would uh, write these letters down. A lot of times they would be the one that would actually take the letters to the various places. Um, but here he says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, something very similar to what he says here in uh, uh, Philippians in Ephesians 4, he says, live in a manner, in a worthy manner, walk in a worthy manner. It's a different word, but the same idea. Conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it's the, um, the, the mindset is that of unity. That's the passage, remember, where he says, live in such a way that you put others first, that you do not demand your own way but that you act humbly and considerately for, uh, before one another. He's going to talk about that very same kind of life in just a little bit in the first part of Philippians 2 that we'll look at uh, next week. And in, in Ephesians 4, he says, do this in a, in a worthy manner, live in a worthy manner, uh, considering others as better than yourself, uh, what Jesus said, uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, but then in Ephesians 4, he goes on and he talks about not just that atmosphere for unity that we set by our attitude toward one another, a humble attitude, a considerate and respectful attitude, but also he sets, as Jim Woodruff has said in years past, the basis for unity. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Uh, those things are important and we, we cannot sidestep them and be faithful. For Paul, he always saw that as part of the Word of God. He never never gave in on those things. And, and interestingly enough, this verse that we're going to be looking at today, this passage, brings that out uh, in the exact same way. And so as Paul writes to the Philippians, as he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4, as he writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and the chapters that follow, as he writes to the church at Corinth, uh, the Corinthians on the, in the southern part of Greece, modern-day Greece, Philippian, Philippi was in the northern part, the same thing. He acknowledges that they are a very diverse group, that they have incredible differences, including some differences in beliefs about some of the things that you should do and you shouldn't do. And for Paul, he looked at those and he saw those things as being things that Satan will use to divide us. And I believe that the diverse nature of our churches and uh, our, our communities, even our country, uh, is something that Satan can use to be divisive. And God intends it to be a strength. He, he calls his church to be a diverse church, to have people that are in the church who have different gifts. Um, 
And, and so because of that, we, we tend to sometimes uh, emphasize those differences uh, rather than being grateful for them and seeing it as an opportunity for the church to reach out in different ways rather than just in one way. If we were all alike, that would limit our ministry opportunities. Um, and so Paul says that, that, that can make life difficult if you have those differences, but at the same time, it also uh, makes your Christian life that much more productive. And so as he goes on, he talks about that, and he talks about the right mindset and attitude. In Romans, he talks about it in chapter 12, verse 1, at the very beginning of that application part of the book of Romans, when he says, make your bodies as a living sacrifice, just as he said to the Philippians, to live as Christ. He said, when you're, you're offering up your bodies as a sacrifice, if you're called to give it in death, then so be it. It'll be gain for you. But likely that's not the case. And so make yourself a living sacrifice. That means not getting your way. That means being concerned more for the needs and, and uh, the, the uh, uh, things of others rather than the needs of yourself. Um, he says the same thing in Luke 9. If you're going to be my disciple, Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross um, and follow after me. And so in, to the Corinthians, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, we, we live by faith not by sight. And so our lives, as Galatians 2 says, are given over to have Christ living in us, as we have seen uh, before. And so then he goes from there and he talks about uh, all of this uh, message of conducting yourselves in a worthy manner. And then he says, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That term striving together is another term that we read about in just a few places, not very many. And in, uh, in, in the little tiny book of Jude, it's interesting, I quoted from Jude this morning as we talked about the doxology that ends that great little letter from the half-brother of Jesus. And, and here we find another passage from that little book of Jude, and it's a little bit earlier on in Jude, verses 3 and 4. Uh, some of you who have a Church of Christ background will likely recognize these words because they speak about uh, some things that others have quoted without really, I think, being very faithful to what it's calling for. Uh, Jude 3 and 4, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. <clears throat> throughout the rest of the book of Jude, he's going to compare them to some really bad, bad people uh, throughout biblical history, much like uh, Peter does in 2 Peter 2. Here he says we need to contend earnestly for the faith that was delivered once for all. We need to not see it as some see it as license. And, and this is what Paul reflects on in Romans chapter 6 when he says, should we continue sinning so that grace might increase? This wonderful grace of God, does it give us permission to just live any way we live since we're going to be saved anyway? Well, no, Paul says, because that's not what we were called uh, to do. We were uh, saved in order to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner. Our worthy lives don't earn us salvation. 
but it is the right response to the salvation that we have clearly been given. In, in Jude, in First and Second Peter, First and Second Thessalonians, and also uh, here in Philippians, he's referring to persecution. He talks about it. He talks about how this church began in persecution, and for Paul, it was it was what he lived while he uh, was there. Um, and so he says to conduct yourself. Our conduct needs to be characteristic of heavenly citizenship. One person has written again, tying it to uh, Philippians three. Verse 20, walk in a way in keeping with the faith, another says. By constitutional right, now we're getting to that citizen uh, citizenship uh, aspect of this term. By constitutional right, they belong to the heavenly kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is their polytuma, their citizenship, their kingdom. They should act accordingly, um, Kittle says of this word, and I think that's right. Another commentator says, exercise your citizenship worthily of the gospel of Christ. Again, it doesn't cause us to deserve our salvation. It says that we're already citizens of heaven. So even though we're living here on earth, let's act like our citizenship is in heaven. Let's act like we have received this great gift of salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and let's conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy that reflects on that great gift that has been given. And then he goes on in the rest of this verse uh, passage in verses 28 through 30, and he says this, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here that I still have. As Paul reflects on this idea of living worthy of the gospel, he says, face opposition courageously. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Um, and, and we remember that, um, uh, that marketing scheme a while back of no fear. <laughs> remember that? No fear. Uh, one person has said courage or bravery is being afraid and doing the right thing anyway. I don't think Paul assumes that they're not going to be worried or afraid or scared. I think that's understandable. That's a very human emotion. But what he's saying is don't let that fear stop you from doing what you know is right, even though it's hard, even though it puts you in a, in a position where you may have to pay a price, where you risk uh, your physical or emotional well-being because you won't be risking your spiritual well-being. And I think that's the message here. Don't fear what they fear. The prophet Isaiah told King Ahaz back in Isaiah 7 and 8. Uh, he was being threatened by area kings, the king of, of Syria or Aram, even the king of, uh, of the northern kingdom of Israel, his own people. And Ahaz was king of the southern kingdom of, of Judah, reigning in Jerusalem. The northern kingdom was still in existence, and they were conspiring against King Ahaz, they wanted to put somebody of their own as a puppet king there that would do what they wanted. Isaiah comes to King Ahaz and says, look, don't be afraid. Don't fear what they fear. Don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. Wouldn't it be great if we had people that would announce that today as well? Uh, enough of the conspiracy theories. Let's just live with faith and do what's right every day and, and try our best uh, to be what Jesus called us to be, uh, the, the light in a very dark 
dark world. Um, and so he, Isaiah tells the king, don't, don't be afraid. Don't fear what they fear. Peter uses that same message in 1 Peter as he talks to the people of his day who were at the opposite end of the social scale than King Ahaz was. He was the king. They were nobodies. They were paupers. They weren't even citizens where they were living. They were refugees uh, chased out of Palestine by the persecution that began with the, the death of the first Christian martyr Stephen at the hands of a big mob, including the apostle who would become the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. And then he started chasing them down, and they were running. They were ever going everywhere preaching the word, Luke records in Acts 8. Well, some of them ended up in what we call modern-day Turkey, likely ones that, that Paul would eventually go to with the message of Christ as he joined Barnabas in that first mission journey. Um, they're called upon to not be afraid and to remember that Jesus uh, went before us as one who also had to pay a price one who also had to suffer. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that that's what would happen. By his stripes, we are healed. And so again, we conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of the sacrifice that was paid for us uh, and made for us, the price that's already uh, been given. Um, Peter tells them in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, look, if you're going to if you're going to suffer, then suffer as a Christian. Don't suffer because you deserve it, because you've broken the law, or because you've hurt somebody. But if they're going to if they're going to make you suffer because of your Christian faith, then then so be it. Uh, in First Peter four, he says, "If you suffer according to God's will," that's a very difficult passage. Uh, but that's what Paul reminds the Philippians of, and what he tells them is is that their courageous suffering would be a sign; it would be a witness to others. Um, just as Jesus told them to go into all the world in the Great Commission, including in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas to the end of the world. Uh, that's not just with our words, but that's with our actions. Again, Jesus said in, in that great passage in Matthew 5, that live, live such good lives among them that they will see your good deeds and praise and glory and honor and glorify God. Peter says much the same thing in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 12, and the, and the verses that follow. As he speaks about being uh, citizens and being submissive to the governing authorities, uh, he tells them, let, let your life be in, lived in such a way, with such conduct, uh, that they don't have anything to accuse you of, um, and rather they would glorify God. We remember Paul and Silas in jail and converting that Philippian jailer when they first began the church in Acts chapter 16, there in uh, Philippi, um, and even writing from prison still, as he says and affirms in the first part of Philippians 1, we've already seen. Jesus said in Matthew 16, uh, when Peter made that great confession, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he promised that he would build his church on that confession, on that great truth, that he is the Son of God. And then he goes directly from there, to talking about how he would be betrayed and delivered to the hands of sinful men and they would kill him, but that the Father would raise him on the third day. And from there he goes and he looks at us, Jesus does, in Matthew 16, Luke 9 and other places. And he says, in the same way, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself and take up your own cross and follow after me. We are citizens of the commonwealth of heaven. That's this message to the Philippians. And Philippi, remember, 
who we said at the very beginning was a Roman colony, which makes it a very important city. Not all cities in, in um, the Empire of Rome were actually Roman colonies, but Philippi was, named for the father of Alexander the Great, and now a Roman colony, a very important city uh, uh, in, uh, of the Roman Empire in the first century. And now Paul had started a church there. And that church had started in the, under persecution and continued to be persecuted, to pay a price for their faith. And yet what Paul says is, live in a worthy manner, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ, so that everyone will see the sign of your life, your willingness to suffer for your uh, faith, uh, your desire to demonstrate your belief, not just with the words you say, but with the life that you live, a life that's lived in unity, a life that's lived in humility, a life that's lived in loving your neighbor as yourself and putting their needs um, and uh, the issues that they're facing even above your own. So we close today with this lesson from Philippians 1. I look forward with great anticipation to that great passage in Philippians 2. Uh, we'll look at the first part of that passage next week uh, and the message that Paul writes in Philippians 2 in a, following up these words about what a worthy life looks like, what worthy conduct looks like for the citizen uh, whose citizenship is in heaven, but whose life continues in this world. What does that look like? And then he'll give the greatest il illustration ever in verses 5 through 11 as he points to Jesus who lived out that same call. Uh, Paul lived it out as well. We are citizens of the commonwealth of heaven. We should behave like it. We should conduct ourselves like it. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus. We should act like we have been. And we have been saved by the grace of God. And therefore, our lives and our conduct should reflect that grace for all to see. May God bless you and guide you uh, in a world that needs that kind of life lived out in front of it so very desperately. I pray that all of those who name the name of Christ uh, will live in a manner worthy of the gospel. God bless.